The following podcast may be unsuitable for children or more sensitive listeners and may contain explicit language. Breaking news. The Academy gives Lifetime Achievement Award to black people in general. Hey, this is WBEZ's It's All True podcast, powered by America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and you just heard a fake news headline from me, your host, Tim Barnes. In each episode, I talk to an amazing guest and then ask them to reveal a funny, personal true story. This week, I talked to comedian Lil Rel. I know how to observe a person and become them. You might recognize him from the hit sketch comedy show, Friends of the People. It looks like this journey would take longer than expected. We talk about how stand-up works in one of the most segregated cities in America. I think we're better than everybody else in the country because of how diversified you got to be in this city. The In Living Color reboot that almost was. We shot these amazing sketches that nobody will ever see. <laughs> And he tells an incredible true story. I'm like, this is uh, this is gonna be hilarious. It's gonna be the best birthday ever. I get a chance to whoop somebody's ass. <laughs> I had a great time. I got a pocket full of money. But before we get into that, let's get into some of his comedy. No matter how crazy my parents are, like I grew up with a '70s father. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. Every time my dad used to talk, he point bend down and step back on your ass. Every time he say to she point bend down, step back on your ass. Nigga still saying, say, which one of you child turkeys taking out the guy, bitch? I'm sick of this shit. In here shucking and jiving. What's that, motherfucker? What you doing? Then my mama smoked cigarettes growing up. My mama was a, a cigarette smoker, man. I love my mama to the fullest, but she had the mom. Like, anybody grew up the mom with the daddy voice? You know how hard that shit was? He's like, how you doing, mama? How you doing? And you know, when you were a kid, you know, you always begging your parents for shit. You know what I'm saying? When you're a little kid, you always bothering them. Mom, can I have, can I get some? Mama, can I have, I won't. One time, my mama lost her. I think she just got tired of us begging her for shit. This is a true story. She, she had some shrimp fried rice, right? This, is, this really happened. <laughs> and we in there begging and shit like, can I have, I won't. She like, oh, can I have, I won't. Can I have, I won't. Can I have, I won't. I can't have shit to myself. But you ain't here, can I have, I won't. Your daddy bought y'all two wings apiece. Eat them goddamn wings. That was comedian Lil Rel on Martin Lawrence Presents First Amendment Comedy. One of the things I've always loved about his style is that he puts so many subtle nuances into the characters he portrays on stage. I thought to myself, this is a guy who grew up watching people. That's funny. That's, that's a great observation. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm very much a people watcher. I've right. always been like, I get, yeah, that's, that's dope. Nobody's ever recognized that really. Like, I mean, besides like a chick I date or something. But, <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a real people watcher. Like, I used to, when I think about it now, I'm older now, and I was walking downtown the other day, and I'm like, I used to come down here just to watch people. <laughs> Just to watch people. And make up things in my head about who they are and how yeah. they live and why they downtown and why they, like, <laughs> I'm a very much a people watcher, which is, that helps me in my stand-up. Like, that's why I'm able to do, like, characters if I'm acting out stuff. It's really based on people I've seen before. 
And that, that's insane. What is the joy? What is the joy you get out of that? Is it just I, like, I love people. <laughs> like you know, what I didn't realize a lot of people don't like people. Like it's people that would tell you, I hate people. I'm like hey, you're a human too. Like I'm, I'm. It's it's very interesting. That's why I can't wait to see what my career really goes because I can't wait till I'm playing other characters outside of comedy stuff because I think I can do it because I I know how to observe a person and become them. Just out of curiosity, what are you what are you thinking about me? I mean, that's not ideals. It's literally <laughs> if I had to create somebody like you. I, I don't know how they would describe it, but because this is what I do. Even a lot of times I audition for stuff, and they'll give you what the character is. I sometimes look at it, but once I read the script, I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to do. If you don't like it, shoot me the elbows, just don't pick me. <laughs> so it'd be based on what I, I think. I'm like, oh, I've never done it. I, like, it'll literally be like, I've never done him before. <laughs> so it'll be, I'm going to tell you something. You laughing, but <laughs> you might see a Friends of the People sketch with me looking just like you. Because I couldn't think of nothing else to look like anymore. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Oh, girl, bogus as hell, okay, for putting her son out there like that, okay? Having that little boy act like a little girl, she need to be like me. My son, he a real man. Look at this little chest. Ooh, we shut him down. Little baby six-pack. Yeah, we gonna get it in. We gonna get that money, and we gonna shut this pageant down. Right, little Larry? Mama brought a knife. I found clubs because of the Sun Times, the weekend... Sometimes you used to have every Friday the weekend, what's going on that weekend entertainment thing. I used to look at it every Friday from the age of, I guess, when I learned how to read, really. So I always knew what was going on in Chicago, even if I could, I was going and I was a kid. But I was like, wow, is the play going on? This is going on? Are you doing Dreamgirls? So I do, and then they used to have the comedy club listing. So as I got closer to the age where I could actually go to the comedy clubs, I started just showing up based on that list. So I started writing clubs down for myself. Like, this is where I'm going to go someday to start. That's nuts. It's you just, just always just read. I've been reading it all these years. <laughs> has, your, has your style evolved at all? I, I don't even know how to describe my... I, I'm glad I never changed my style. Whatever my style has been my style. Even me starting up North, I wasn't a different style. It was just, this is what I thought delivering comedy is. You know, so I took that when I went started going to the Urban Rooms. That's why okay. I think Chicago's the best place to do stand-up. It makes you... I think we're better than everybody else in the country because of how diversified you got to be in this city. This city is so segregated. It is like you that have you to, gotta it, be able to make everybody laugh because everybody's <laughs> different. Everybody has these different. It's, it's, it's insane to have that in one city, actually. Yes, it feel good to be doing something in our city because we got to represent. I'm from the West Side, of Chicago. I don't know if anybody else from the West Side, West Side of here. That's what's up. One thing about being from the West Side, of Chicago, we got the greatest hood rats ever made. <laughs> Let's keep it real. We really do. And our hood rats only got two phrases. They say all day and what that do. That's their whole conversation. You ask them one question, where you finna go? I'm finna go to this town all day. What that do, boo boo? What that do? What that do? That's nothing. What that do? Is it easy to embody the stage with characters? Because here's like, you ever see someone go up, try to do an act out, and you know that they should not? <laughs> like you can see the sort of awkward tension before they do the act out. How do you do that? I, I don't know. It goes back to that people watcher thing. I, it's like I black out in character sometimes. <laughs> and I don't force it because the thing about it is you never know you never know what's going to stand out. You know what I mean? I don't know what the character is going to do. <laughs> really? I can literally be doing a bitch you heard me do a million times. People say this to me, like, Rare, you almost sound like you do it different every time. Because I don't know what that day that character's going to be, even in the same story, I don't know where it could go. Like the, the Bluetooth the character, Bluetooth. your uncle. Oh, it's so many different, it's, it's, it's ways I've done it, well, I wish I could remember how I did it. 
Well, I'm like, man, that was killer. I don't know if I yeah. could ever do it like that again. I'm sick of old black dudes with Bluetooth. Anybody else? <laughs> black people, old, old black dudes with Bluetooth said they can do whatever they want. Everybody else be in line, they won't pass. Give me young blood. Yeah, let me get the... Uh... You got any Bluetooth batteries back there? <laughs> and them dudes be loud. Like, my uncle just bought a Bluetooth, right? He like 60 years old. He be so loud on the Bluetooth. This dude don't understand the sound transfer from the Bluetooth to his mouth perfectly. And he think he got to tell the Bluetooth to do stuff to, for it to work. We was in the grocery store. Oh, hold on, phone ringing. Answer, Bluetooth, hello? Shut up, yeah, Bluetooth, I'm on, hold on, other line, click over, Frank, Bluetooth, yeah. Hold on, conference call, bow, bow, double click, everybody, Bluetooth. What do you think it is that gave you that sort of third eye where you can see different people? Because you're really good at embodying old people. Did you feel out of touch with people <laughs> your funny. age growing up? Yep. I, like even, I, I'm a, I am a old soul. <laughs> I like being around older people. Like I, My uncle is somebody I look up to a lot. He's a pastor. He's Pastor Marshall Hatch. He got a church on the west side of Chicago. And so I used to hang out with preachers all the time. <laughs> What's that like? They the coolest dudes you'll meet. <laughs> To me, I mean, pastors are like yeah. late. Like, if you get to know them, like, not like, I yeah. mean, some people only look at their pastor on pull pit and, you know, <laughs> but when you're hanging out in that office, you, you're, you're literally sitting around all bosses. I mean, look at a church for real. Like, if people don't want to look at I'm not saying this like this, but it, church is almost like a corporation and they are the presidents, right? So you're around bosses and they talk like bosses and they're hilarious and they're <laughs> chill. Like the way I deliver my stuff is so chill. Uh-huh. I talk like my uncle. <laughs> and I was, we was hanging out one day. I think it was, uh, he came to New York. He's good friends with Al Sharpton and all these cool major preachers. Yeah. You just hanging out with these dudes. It's like, hey, y'all so cool, man. Like, do anybody know how cool y'all <laughs> Now, are they different than comedians? Are they competitive? I, don't, I think it's the, I kind of think it's the same way. I think comedy, I think comedians and pastors are probably the closest comparison. <laughs> and I'm dead serious. Because this is the way you have, you have to command people's attention. You have to have that presence. Stage presence is, pastors have it and comedians have it. Which I think that's why I got it for. I think growing up in a church made it easier for me to deliver my stuff with such realness to it. Do they look at the way another pastor says something? I could have delivered that better. I, I mean, maybe my uncle cracks me up talking about like, <laughs> Like the Catholic preachers, <laughs> you know, because you know they, it, he's like, you know, he was telling me one time he was somewhere and he was a guest, and I guess he had him preach and he did his thing, and then the Catholic pastor who don't even talk like that, <laughs> because he brought that type of energy, he tried to turn yeah. it up a little bit. He had me cracking up talking about. It. You gotta hear him tell a story. It's funny. So you know, Doc, he tried to turn it up, Doc. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who are your comedic influences? Who are the comics that you looked up to growing up? That man, Eddie Murphy is number one, the number one guy. Like when I talk to people and even other comedians sometimes, or just regular people, they're like, "Oh, you 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 gonna do acting too?" Hey, what? <laughs> yeah, it's all the same to me. Like I look Eddie Murphy. I thought all that came with everything. I thought you did stand up, then you act, and you write. I thought all that was a part <laughs> of the one thing. And it was funny when people would say, oh, I'm like, no, nah. I always think that's automatically. But then you start talking to comics, you're like, no, nah, I just like doing stand-up. I don't need it. Any. Like, for real? I thought it was all one thing. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> it's be, all, you, it's all entertainment. you do specials, do a movie style. Like, that, <laughs> that's how I go. Do you think those old uh, Eddie Murphy specials hold up? Because when so, so you look at them now. What? I mean, in, in the sense that I was talking to John Roy about this, about the fact that he uses uh, the word faggot mm-hmm. a lot. 
it's something that if you were to do those jokes now, it wouldn't have the same. Uh, he wouldn't have the same allowances to do that. No, he wouldn't have the same allowance to do that. But we just talking about a couple of bits. You look at like that Johnny Carson bit half. And I was waiting on the line, and I saw the Inquirer magazine while I was waiting on the line, and I saw Johnny Carson on the front page. It was a picture of him like this. <laughs> then I said, what's up with Johnny? I turned to the inside story, and his wife was on the other page, and she was like this. He was basically telling you guys, all of us, we better watch out, yeah? <laughs> and overhead it said, Johnny's wife wants half Johnny's money. I turn that shit back to Johnny. And he's very honest in that set. He's like, what are you doing to get half? If you, if you have $5 and have to give somebody $250, you'd be upset. Eddie Murphy, he can roast. He can tell <laughs> stories. He can do a one-liner. He can do characters. He can act out the stuff. He can milk it. He can do social commentary. He can do a lot. And he can do impersonations where it's not corny. You know, he's the last good comic that did impersonations that wasn't just acting out movie scenes. He came up with original stuff for those characters to say. So when he's doing cars, he's like, he's not doing all that stuff. He's telling a legitimate story of Cosby calling him. Yeah. Do you watch the Bill Cosby show? Yeah. I do too. I love Bill Cosby's show. I've been a, a big fan of Bill Cosby all my life. Never met the man before, but he called me up about a year ago and chastised me on the phone for being too dirty on stage. And it was real weird because I had never met him. And he just thought it was he should call me up because he was Bill and tell me that he did about what comedy is all about. And I sat and listened to this man chastise me. And when Bill Cosby chastises you, you forget you grown. You feel like one of the Cosby kids and shit. And I ran in the house all excited to talk to Bill and picked up the telephone and Bill got raw on me. I was like, hello, Mr. Cosby. And you hear, I would like to talk to you. About some of the things that you do in your show. I know that you were going to be in the the reboot of In Living Color that didn't uh, yep. didn't go forward. Uh, what did that mean to you? What did the original Living Color mean? Everything. I wrote a show called Name Your Adventure that used to come on NBC when I was a kid to be on the Living Color. I was like, <laughs> do you still have the letter somewhere? Do you- I, I was actually looking for it when I got casted for I wanted to show Keenan. I couldn't find it, but I, was told, it, I, I told imagine them it was very heartfelt. Very heartfelt, and it was funny. They was gonna do it. I remember them saying, "You know, he wrote me a letter back because they had just canceled the show." So I might have been the only kid watching it. <laughs> it was hosted by AC Slater. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, "Damn, they didn't, they sent me a letter like sorry we canceled the show, but just keep on dreaming and all that good stuff." <laughs> And I took that to heart, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was hurtful. Like, oh, he got the letter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the letter. Like, here we go. Cancel. So, it's all right now. <laughs> did uh, the True TV show Friends of the People that kind of evolve from that? That's all evolved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just the experience. Me, Jermaine Fowler, and Jennifer Bartels. When they did the reboot, we were the only three cast members for like two months. <laughs> so we was in L.A. looking at tapes with Keenan in them. Oh wow. Yeah, that person is good. You know, <laughs> they was trying to find other people. Uh, Keenan and Fox, we was the only three people they uh, liked. So then we all end up becoming friends. Now look. <laughs> now look, we, we end up, like, this is how it happened. We found out Living Color wasn't going to happen. And, you know, I was all of us was hurt. It was heartbreak because we knew what it could be. We shot these amazing sketches that nobody will ever <laughs> see. 
We worked with Kid every way. I mean, I was there with the intro. We had the fly girl, <laughs> my picture right there. I'm like, this is It was like your dream come true. It's like E.T. interviewed like, us on set. It was all I'm like, this is gonna be crazy. I'm telling everybody, I'm gone, baby. I mean, I hope I hope y'all know me now, <laughs> you know, because I'm out of here. <laughs> they decided not to do it for whatever reason that that Fox Wayne is I don't know. It's I still you, I've heard stuff from Keenan. He's told me some things, and I've heard some things from Fox executives. So I don't really know what. It's never. You're never it's, gonna know the full story. Never gonna know the full story. Is it easy for you to fall into characters that people write for you? Do people write characters for you? Yeah, the, like when show? we do Friends of the People, we all are writers. So I do have specific sketches and stuff I write for. You know, certain characters I really want to do, and I write. But then, like Jermaine, I mean, like for the sixth season two, he created this character called Sugar Jerome, this old boxer. And that's something he created, but he's like, he had me in mind to do it. <laughs> and that's the fun part of that, too. Like, writing something for one of your friends is like, oh, and they, they bring it out even better. You're like, ooh, I know he's going to do that. That's better. That's even doper than what I thought. We'll be right back with more It's All True after the break. And when we return, you'll hear Lil Rel's funny personal true story. Here's a clip. So I, you know, I get out the car. He he actually meets me out. So he gets in like a karate form. <laughs> so I'm like, oh come on, man. That, you know, in my mind, that stuff don't work in real life. More little rel after the break. You might know her as Captain Janeway on Star Trek. Or Prison Cook Red in Orange is the New Black. People might know her as Mary Ryan in Ryan's Hope. But now she's written a memoir that's helped her come to terms with life today. I have earned the right to be present now to the rest of my life. To my grief, to my loves, and to the absolute authenticity of who I am. On the latest general admission, we catch up with Kate on these roles, the new book, and a whole lot more. For that and more, visit wbez.org slash general admission. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and in each episode, I ask a guest to reveal a headline for a funny, personal, true story. This week's guest is comedian Lil Rel. Here's his headline. Oh, if the newspaper was to pick up the story. Oh, God, what stories should I tell? <laughs> it's so many stories. Uh, it's one of the stories I want to do about special that's really great. I tell it. <laughs> Rail jumped by taxi cab driver. This is what happened. <laughs> okay, right. So, <laughs> it was my birthday a couple of years ago. Happy birthday to you. Is it in Chicago? Is it Chicago? Yeah. And I, I live. I used to live in the suburbs when I lived in Chicago. So, anytime I probably maybe had too much to drink or anything like that, I would go to Greek Town, get some food, and then I would pay a cab driver, cut the meat off. I'm like, look, I got hundred dollars. <laughs> Take me home, cut your meat off. <laughs> Most of them always say, oh, perfect, I do it, blah, blah, blah. So this is one of those things you just don't judge a book by its cover. Little Asian dude, right, was the cab driver this time, told him the same thing, hey, man, I got $100, man, you know, take me out to Harvey, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think he understood what Harvey, or maybe even what Harvey looked like. So I get in the car, he's, as we get closer to my house, he start, look, he start saying stuff like, oh, this is pretty, pretty bad, I thought suburb. Like, yeah, it's a suburb, but it's not the best one, you know what I mean? <laughs> So we get in front of my house. He's like, "Okay, uh, that'll be that'll be a hundred and fifteen." I'm like, "No, bro." I'm like, "Fam, you know, we was at Greta. I told you I got a hundred dollars." Cut to me like, "Yeah, but this neighborhood, man, it's a bad neighborhood. It's late. It's laid back. 
Like, hey, look. So there's a fee for the neighborhood? I don't know what he was trying to do. I'm like, bro, I told you $100. <laughs> and he's like, well, you're going to pay me. I'm like, man, I ain't paying you nothing now. So I just get out the cab. He's like, where you going? What you, what you doing? You can't do that. Like, I can do whatever I want, fam. It's my birthday. Now, let's remember this. I got an all-white pea coat on <laughs> that I bought for my birthday, right? I got the, the Blair Underwood and set yeah. it off coat. I specifically got that. So I look like Blair Underwood on my birthday to me. That's what I look like. <laughs> So I, you know, I get out the car. He he actually meets me out. So he gets in like a karate form. <laughs> so I'm like, oh come on, man. And, you know, in my mind, that stuff don't work in real life. I'm like, this is uh, this is gonna be hilarious. It's gonna be the best birthday ever. I get a chance to whoop somebody ass. <laughs> I had a great time. I got a pocket full of money. This was a great <laughs> night ever. Let's do it. So I go to Russia. <laughs> I run full speed. <laughs> I mean, people get, I see roundhouse kicks and stuff, right? You see roundhouse <laughs> kicks on MAA and all, like, movies. You're like, did that really, is that really effective? So I go to rush him. He roundhouse kicked me so precisely perfect, it knocked me to the ground. Like, it was a bunch of, it was a puddle of mud. It's my all-white coat on. I'm not making this up. <laughs> he, he roundhouse kicked me in a puddle. <laughs> and he didn't even knock my glasses off. That's how perfect the kick was. Like, he wanted me to see what was going to happen. So he didn't knock me off in the mud. I'm in the mud struggling, trying to figure out, like, did that roundhouse, did I slip or did the roundhouse have this much impact? So I crawl up. I get, you know, I, I try to wipe off as much as I can. I go to give him a punch. He block it. Gave me, like, I don't, like a combo in my stomach. I don't know what it was. It was like five things. Right? Like, I don't know what's happening. I just got my body jerking and moving. And then he gave me another quick kick. And I fell on the ground. This time, I'm down. I can't get up. I'm hurting. My stomach hurt. He kicked me with my shin. He go in my pocket and take the money out. So I'm thinking he didn't rob me, right? So I done crawled up the stairs. I rang the doorbell because my manager used to stay downstairs. My manager, Knowledge Beckham. And I rang the doorbell. He asked the door, like, yo, B, yo, you okay? Yo, you got jumped on? Like, nah, um, my, uh, my cab driver, me and him got to a so look, I go upstairs to the crib, right? And I'm taking everything out of my pocket. And I'm like, wait a minute, I still got all my money. And I started counting The dude took exactly Whoa. $115. How? When? Maybe while, while I was struggling. <laughs> That's how crazy it was. I was struggling for a while. It had to be a while for me being that much. And, but I thought it was, I'm like, maybe I was wrong. Because he could have took all the, I had like a stack in my pocket. <laughs> he only took $115. Which means I was probably in the wrong. Because <laughs> he could have taken He had more. good morals. <laughs> and that's the show. Big thanks to Lil Rel for stopping by. If you like more updates on him, follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is LilRel4. It's All True is a production of WBEZ Chicago and The Whiskey Journal. The show is produced by me, I, myself, Joe Dassault, Brad Helm, and of course, me, Tim Barnes. If you'd like more updates on this show and other wonderful WBEZ podcasts, visit wbez.org slash podcasts. Next week on It's All True, I talk to comedian Katie McVeigh. I love Nicki Minaj more than I love my own mother. If you dig the show, please subscribe on iTunes and tell people about it. It's a big help and it means a lot. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451, and follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you. Even when I was walking down State Street, because I did a video, I was just looking at it, and I was like, whoa. <laughs>
So I was just telling him I want to just come backstage, and he called me back, yo, yo you want to do a set? <laughs> so <laughs> it's just funny you ask somebody they want to do a set at the Chicago theater so <laughs> so casually. I think that's how that maybe we are doing too well. It's like eh, I'll do a couple yeah, minutes I real guess. quick. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> anybody else would have bought it. Oh, I got to buy a suit. You know? <laughs> like, eh, all right, well, yeah. whatever I got on now, I'm gonna go up there and do this set real quick. Oh, okay, here we go. You ready? Right. Yep. Okay, this is the story. Uh, <laughs> 